it's like I told myself in my own head. I mean, I explained it to my wife later, but in my own head, I said, you know, like I would never treat my business this way. Why am I treating my racing program this way? I mean, at the end of the day, you still have to keep it like it still has to be fun. You, you still want it to be fun and enjoy it and the camaraderie with the guys and all that stuff. But it still can be, you know, you can still have focus. You can still, you know, put 100 percent attention to it and still have fun, too. You know what I mean? So that's kind of what I'm trying to achieve for this season and and do that and then just see where I land. It's time for Class Racing Today, the podcast for the NHRA Class Racing fan. Welcome back to Class Racing Today, classracingtoday.com. Email classracingtoday@gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. I want to help sponsor the show. You can certainly send us a note there. Uh, if you are just a listener, not just, if you are one of the uh, wonderful listeners that we have uh, and you want to help support the show with a donation, you can do that at classracingtoday.com. Go there, click on the Donate Today button. Uh, we are funded uh, on a system that allows you to determine the value that you get out of the show and turn it into dollars and send it our way so we can continue these conversations uh, around the country. Uh, Brian and Bobby, we are back again for another one. How's it going? It's kind of a, I don't know, I feel kind of just blah today. Oh, like, come on, why? got cold weather and snow, and we talk about that crap all the time, so I'm kind of overwintering. <laughs> right. Like, kind of want to move to, I don't know if I want to deal with all the people, but California does. There's some aspects <laughs> of not having winter, you know, like things I never thought I'd have to deal with in my adult life. Like, I'm leaving the house, you know, I pushed snow all night, so my driveway was cleared. I got out this morning, and my mailbox got wiped out by the snowplow. Ah. Again, I'm just like... Why is growing up like so hard? Like I am <laughs> so regretting not being in Belrose right now. Like, why didn't we not just get on planes and fly down there, Bobby? Uh, <laughs> I know. Tell me about it. Like adulting's hard. I just want to race. Like I just want to be a race car driver when I grow up. Like, why did I pick this path? Believe me, I feel the same way. I still, part of me still feels like a uh, you know eighteen year old kid. I don't know how I'm in this. 38 year old body at this point but i didn't ask for it and i don't want to <laughs> i want to go back so I, don't, I would love to go to california i just don't know how like california is just it's tough there i really i can't wait to ask this guest today how you turn a profit in that state at this point i mean it's just like the rules there are a little strict even for somebody like me so well i think i think most of california is moving to colorado so maybe if he could just give us a heads up when most of them are gone <laughs> <laughs> then we'll quick move down and take over and like build a wall. Like let's build the wall on the north side of California. So when they leave, they can't get back in. You know, it's like a deer crossing. Right. Like only one way, exit only. I don't know. I, that, I think Southern Oregon might complain. Yeah, that's going okay. to New, Where are they going? Arizona, New Mexico, Texas? Texas, Texas a big, a biggie. Texas. Montana. Uh. But... I guess we we live where we live, we live where we live for a reason. I'm just not sure some days if I have one, but <laughs> at least we're racing again. Like that's pretty cool. Yeah, finally it's something to look forward to. And NHRA uh, TV was broadcasting the race all weekend for free, uh, the first national event of the year, except for Sunday. I couldn't find. I felt like the live feed started on Sunday, but then I lost it somehow. So. I wanted to watch these finals and I was not able to because I haven't uh, upped, re-upped my subscription, I guess, yet this year. 
But very interesting, to say the least. The weather looked amazing. That was painful to watch from where I was watching. Um, sunshine every day. A Volkswagen Carmen Gill was a number one qualifier. I mean, there was a couple of Volkswagens there. So it was, it was pretty cool to watch and um, was very jealous that I wasn't there. But happy to talk to the eventual Stock Eliminator winner today, Mr. Leo Glassbrenner, who is a California native. Leo, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, actually. It's raining right now, though. Get out. <laughs> we don't get it very often, but it's out there. Listening to uh, you guys discuss making plans or trying to make plans to move out to California, I had to giggle because I'm trying to get out. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were, my wife and I, we spent a solid week in Tennessee uh, in January looking at properties and houses and so on and so forth. So I don't plan on staying here for the long haul, even though I've been here for all my 46 years. Well, hey, did you grow up in, I mean, it lists you as Chino, California. Was that where you were born and raised? No, I was actually born and raised in San Dimas, which is probably just like 15 minutes from Chino. Um, but in 2018, we moved down here to Marietta so that we could get some acreage uh, in that area, that specific area of, you know, the racetrack area or within you know, let's say a 10 mile, 15 mile radius of the racetrack, it's really hard to find any kind of acreage. So we moved an hour south, a uh, town called Marietta, and I've got five acres now where we live. Uh, it's horse property. My daughters are kind of into that stuff, not so much me. I just know that I have one because I see the bills. <laughs> we have that same conversation in my house. I told my wife, I'm like, you know, when I shut my horsepower off, it stops eating. <laughs> there's no exhaust coming out yeah yeah they, you got the vet bills and the and the, the the feed bills and you know the farrier bills and so but uh, that's their gig that's that's what they enjoy i i i i don't get any grief on my end so i i just don't give them any grief back it's the best way to do it how many kids do you have i got four i've got uh, two older daughters and two younger sons tied it up right there at the end <laughs> did no, they come to uh, the no, track no, with no sudden death either <laughs> <laughs> they go with you to the they, track um, they go racing with me here at Pomona um, generally speaking when, when uh, you know like you know Lindy my partner and I go um you know, race in Phoenix, Vegas, wherever, Woodburn, Oregon, you know, usually the family doesn't come because, you know, they got a lot of responsibilities here, you know, besides school, even in the summer, like when they don't have school, you know, they got the horse thing and my wife's got three great Danes and they've got cats and rabbits. So, you know, trying to board a horse or have someone come feed it and board the dogs and all that stuff, it's becomes kind of tough because, Albeit we do do that stuff, it's generally when we go on vacation. So if we go on a family vacation, then we'll do that stuff. You know, so multiplying family vacations and having the kids come to the races up in Sonoma or something like that, then the boarding, you know, just that just becomes pretty expensive. So, <clears throat> so the wife and kids stay home. 
and that your kids' ages, that's not the easiest time to hang out at the racetrack either. Yeah, especially, you know, my daughters are 12 and 13. You know, they enjoy it, but um, I'm sure it gets somewhat boring, you know. But my boys, you know, they'll, my boys will find anything to do. And my boys will probably find someone else in the, in the uh, pits to go play with, too, get in trouble. Pretty soon the girls will be hanging out around the junior dragster guys. and. <laughs> I'm sure at some point, yeah, I got a junior that we've got to finish. Uh, we set the motor in it and, you know, pretty much got it all done. I just got to, you know, adjust the belt and hook up a few things. And, you know, hopefully here in the next month or two, we'll be out, you know, junior racing for the first time with my 10 year old. <clears throat> How did you get started racing? When was your first time you sat in the car? <clears throat> well, um, you know, and inevitably it was street racing, unfortunately for me, um, because we didn't really have anywhere to go, you know, um, we didn't have any tracks that, you know, that we could go to. Pomona's always been here. It's always been around the corner, but it's never been used except twice a year that really I, as far back as I can remember, um, they did, they did some junior races there, uh, when I was younger, but you know, I mean, I was already, you know, 22, 23, and they were junior racing there on Saturdays or Sundays or something. I just remember driving by and seeing some juniors there, but really nothing for us to do. So my first time, like, actually racing, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, is was street racing. <clears throat> I, did, I did that for, you know couple years and then it got to be out there in the streets it got to be a party you know because we were there to race and we had fun racing and then once the alcohol and drugs came in like we just i gave it up because i didn't want to go out there and get busted partying i wasn't out there to party i was there to race and once it turned into a big party i just quit and um then finally pomona opened up you know for the what they call the street legal drags back in like 95 96 it wasn't anything it was more just kind of bring your car and run it in like 95 and then in 96 they actually had a summit series so i would i would really say to be honest with you the first time i went down at eighth mile track was at pomona in 95 and uh it was with my street car. Uh, my first car was a, uh, it still is, and I still have it, a 69 GTO Judge. So that's kind of how I became the Pontiac guy. Um, that was my first car. I still have it. But uh, yeah, it was eighth mile. I think I ran in the eighth mile. I think it was somewhere in like the 813 or 803 or something in the eighth mile. Just, just thought you were flying. <laughs> Oh yeah. 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 We, yeah. And it was like, once I did that for the first time, I was like, dude, this is so awesome. You know I mean? At like 19 years old or whatever it was, it was like the greatest experience ever. Now we strive on this show to appeal to people just like you. Okay. Went down the track in a street car and then we want to try and convert them into class racing, which is a challenge in and of itself. How, how did that work for you? How did you go from, you know, running down that eight mile track into stock eliminator? Um, you know, I've always been attracted to the stock eliminator class, not so much super stock. Um, 
maybe I didn't comprehend Superstock as much back then when I was younger, but I, you know, always recognized what stock eliminator was. I'd always go, I'd always go to the world finals or the winter nationals back then, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old, whether I went by myself or I went with my buddies or whatever it was. And, you know, would always walk the pits and always would see, you know, that stuff. Um, and was always attracted to it. Um, so it just evolved from me bracket racing my my GTO um, to uh, actually someone giving me a car. Um, and I want to say when was that? I want to say it was maybe like year two thousand. <coughs> I had um, <coughs> an LA <coughs> excuse me an LA County Sheriff friend just a local guy that was there and his wife told me he's got to get rid of this junky car in, in the side of his house. And it was a, it was a 69, uh, Malibu. Um, and it was all there like complete 100% every trim piece, everything, but it was rough. Not that it was dented or anything because there was really no dents or nothing like that, but it had sat under a tree for probably 20 plus years. And, dug into the dirt you know it just sank into the dirt so the whole driver's side you know c-channel the frame was just in, you know just dirt clot and the whole thing and he's like if you want it you can have it i just need to get rid of it so i said sure i'll take it and i you know thought to myself oh that would make a perfect stock eliminator car um so i mean i did a ground off restoration you know frame off frame off restoration um you know i mean it's beautiful beautiful car that that i turned into an h stock automatic car and and um just the experience was awesome you know doing it you know i was young single and all that stuff so i had plenty of time to do whatever i wanted to do but um probably wasn't maybe the best best car to turn into a stock limiter car but really didn't know that back then just had um just had the drive to do it and thought, well, this is a perfect car to do it with. Um, probably not the best combination, but, um, you know, you live and learn. That's how you learn stuff. So you get, beat up, you know, I tell my employees still to this day, I always, you know, especially new employees, like, trust me, I didn't learn everything that I know now because I did everything right the first time. Cause that's not how it works. All right. So, that's how I got started in stock eliminator. And then I beat my head up against the wall for three and two and a half years. And I told myself, if I'm going to continue to do this, I need to do it with a car that is more competitive. And that's when I started researching Pontiac thing in it. And then found the 68 combo is pretty good combo, which is still, still to this day, it's still pretty good combo. You know I mean? The Ram Air two deal at round four head at 340 horse is still a good, a good combination. So that thing went, uh, I think the best that thing ran at Phoenix. Like, I never hopped it up at Pomona, but it went 1025 at Phoenix and C, at C, and C stock automatic. So, wow. And Steve, what's that, an 1140 index? I think? Yeah, 1140 index. Okay. So, yeah, that's, that's kicking. And Phoenix, too. Yeah. Which I'm not sure of the altitude there. It's, it's 1300 feet. It's generally speaking, it's <laughs> not lower than Pomona, but it can be only six or eight, six or seven, six or eight slower than Pomona. But just the barometer, you don't have the barometer. Like Pomona, you go to Pomona, you got barometer. 
Phoenix, it's only 1,300 feet elevation, but you just don't have any barometer there. Well, the, so your love for cars and your, and your entrance into Stock Eliminator, did you, um, is that what got you into the transmission business? No, I was actually in the transmission business uh, prior to that. Um, you know, um, I've always had the car, obviously, since I was 14. I couldn't drive it until I was 16. But I grew up, even out here when we were younger, I grew up on like three acres. My dad had um, lemon trees. So we always had stuff, like we always worked. I mean, from the time I was like four or five years old, because he had no one else to help him, you know, he would like teach me how to operate a tractor. Okay, you got to push the clutch and put it in gear. And he's like, I need you to let the clutch out really slow and just move me five feet. So like he would be up in a, in a, in a, you know, we'd have a spray rig and he'd be up in a boom on a hydraulic boom up there spraying the tops of the trees. And I'd be like this six-year-old boy, you know, moving a, moving a spray rig with no doors on it, like on an old 38 Chevy with a tank on the back. And, and I'd be in there just moving, moving the, the, uh, spray rig down the you know down the rows so with that we always worked on our own stuff you know my dad always worked on everything of his own you know whether it be his hydraulic cylinder whether it be a you know spray pump like no matter what it was we just worked on stuff so i got that you know mechanical ability basically from him and just you know just being in the trenches with them transmission wise <clears throat> that evolved from you know me working in the city of san dimas just mowing all the the um parks and everything you know i'd be the guy going to this park or that park or city hall whatever you know at like 17 18 years old because i graduated when i was like 17 and a half and then just went right to work and then just thought oh, this is so monotonous, I can't do this anymore because I got to be able to do something more with my brain. And um, so I actually quit, went to the junior college, looked up some stuff. And so they have a Toyota T10 program that you could go to at the junior college there. And you could come out with all of your certs and go straight to a Toyota dealership if you wanted to. You know, they helped you with purchasing tools. They helped you get a job at a Toyota or a Lexus dealership. So I thought to myself, okay, well, I'll start out with automatic transmissions. I'll start there instead of starting out with engines or chassis or whatever it may be. So I, I thought to myself, well, I know a lot of different stuff and I'm, you know, I'm pretty good here, pretty good there, but I don't know a single thing about automatic transit. Let me start there. I'll start that class first. Because they really didn't care where you started in the Toyota T10 program. Like, if you wanted to start here, you could start there. If you want to start here, as long as you just finish the program, Toyota would direct you into, you know, and in getting a job. So I took automatic transmissions, and then, like, I actually really liked it. Because, you know, I mean, I had zero knowledge of it before other than to pull one out and put one in. And so I started, I guess it was, I started right, right when I was eight, the end of my 18th year. And I turned 19. And took the whole, you know, cord. I think it was a, I don't know, whatever, whatever the full full allotment of points you could take for, you know, junior college. It was four days a week, eight to three, um, 
Fridays we had off and then, you know, finished that course and, um, you know, really actually liked automatic transmissions. So the local tranny shop, which was Remac <clears throat> in San Dimas, I went over to that, to the owner, because I knew him just a little bit from my dad getting a tranny done. So consequently, that Friday when we graduated, I walked in there and said, hey, you know, I'm done with the course, you know, want to try to get a job. You know, I still wanted to finish. Well, I thought I still wanted to finish the Toyota T-Tan program. But I was like, let me get a job because I need money, too, because I hadn't worked. You know, I'd just been doing side work on Fridays and Saturdays and stuff like that. So it's like rough when you don't have any money or you have very little money. So I'm like, well, I'm going to go, you know, get a job here during the summer. We don't have any summer courses at the Citrus College there. So he's like, well, I don't have any positions. Like, I'm not looking to hire anybody. But, you know, if you want to come in and learn stuff like that, you know, help out. And I told him, I'd, I'd, I told him at first, I'm like, I, hey, I'd, I'll work for free just so I can learn, you know. So the next week I worked there for the whole week and, you know, just whatever, like I just did whatever, sweep the floors, help out here. I mean, I could pull trannies, but I wasn't like experienced like, you know, his guys were or whatever. But so I worked the week and then he, he at the end of the week, he gave me a hundred bucks cash. He's like, you know, thanks for helping out, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, cool. So I came back the next week, did the same exact thing the next week. And at the end of that week, he gave me another hundred bucks. And he said, well, I guess I'm going to hire you because I'm probably not going to get rid of you. So he hired me um, and I was just making, you know, I started out $7 an hour. So I was making $7 an hour and 95, you know, just then it, didn't I, I bought him out in 2006 and bought another shop in 2015 and just took it from there, you know, just continued to grow it and grow it and grow it. So, and that's where we stand today. You know, very successful, I think, you know, from from ground from the bottom floor up, you know, and I'm not done. You know, I I may be I may be done in this area or that area, but I'm still growing the business. You know, <clears throat> we've got, you know, a lot of equipment now. I mean, I've got two gear shapers, two hobs, you know, for manufacturing, you know, gears or cutting splines on input shafts and. Um, we got a grinder, uh, sun and hone to hone pinion blanks. And, you know, we don't do any of our own heat treating in house, all the heat treating gets sent out, but we do quite a bit in house, you know, as much as we could possibly do in house, we do. So a little bit different from $7 an hour sweeping floors at a tranny shop. <laughs> that's a great story. And that's, that is really awesome. How about the, the business aspect of it? Did that, gentlemen also teach you that part or did you you know take yeah, some classes I would, I would say um more so than anything because my dad is definitely not a businessman per se he's probably one of the smartest guys i know and can do like just so many things it's remarkable like you're like man what don't you know well it's automatic transmissions and he doesn't know but <laughs> At the end of the day, he's got so much knowledge. It's just insane. But um, yeah, so he I would say he taught me more so like the business aspect of it. And, um, you know, um, just more so than anything is like, if you take care of your customers, they'll inevitably take care of you. So 
people have different means of operating their business. And, um, you know, we, we feel like I feel, and he felt that it's just about taking care of your customers at the end of the day. I mean, you've got to turn a profit. Don't get me wrong, but you've also got to take care of your customers. So that's one big thing that he taught me, you know, cause I didn't have that knowledge growing up, you know, with a bunch of lemon trees and picking lemons and turning wrenches on tractors and, you know, stuff like that. My world, like I wasn't aware of all that stuff, you know, it wasn't taught to me. So. How did you get into the but, performance side of it? When did you start doing that? Um, stock eliminator kind of opened that one up, up for me. Um, you know, I mean, even back when I was bracket racing, you know, I would, you know, build my own stuff back then, but there was, um, you know, certain products you'd buy and then, you know, you'd have an issue with or something and then you'd call it and it just, it just became like, well, I don't think that's good enough. There's an issue here. So it just evolved from me being, you know, like, I don't know, 24 years old, 25 years old, and just always saying, well, there's always something better, there can be something better, there can be something better. And then, you know, just starting to do your own stuff, starting to make, you know, your own manual valve bodies and starting to, you know, do this and having my dad to fall back onto as, you know, for the engineering aspect of it, you know, I'd say I'd have an idea and I'm like, Hey, you know, what about this? He's like, yeah, we can make that. No problem. You know, we can, we can, we can make that. So we'd make prototype stuff and we, you know, um, that's just how it evolved, you know, with, with a lot of help from him too. I mean, I have the ideas or I know what I want and, you know, he'd be able to, you know, uh, you know, sketch out something and, and manufacture it. I mean, he's got mills, lathes, even before, <clears throat> even before we started, you know, manufacturing, you know, input shafts or servos or stuff like that. He's always had mills and lathes. He's always been, you know, making his own piece for this or that or a tractor you know, something of that nature. So he's always had the machinery and the ability to do it. So uh, he was a big part of me, you know, when I was younger. I mean, still to this day, I mean, he, he, you know, my gear shapers and my hobs are at his machine shop. You know, he's, you know, he's the one cutting gear teeth and deburring and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll send out to heat treat and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what he kind of does for, you know, his income. He doesn't need the income per se. Uh, he's, he's doing okay financially, but I think he loves doing it still. He just loves to do it. If he didn't have that stuff to do, I'm sure he'd find something else to tinker with, but I think it still gives him a, a really solid purpose. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So he's finished with lemon trees then he's working he's got, for you now. He's, and He's got five acres of navel oranges. <laughs> So he moved from the city of San Dimas and he sold that property and to, you know, a huge profit, obviously. And then he moved to uh, Riverside, which is, you know, east, um, you know, still a lot of citrus out here. Uh, probably maybe not as much citrus as like Florida or as much citrus as there is up in the Central Valley, uh, Bakersfield and above area. <clears throat> but there's still some down here, quite a bit down here. And so he you know, he bought five acres of navel oranges in Arlington Heights um, and uh, just 
happy doing that. And he just has to be surrounded by it, I guess. <laughs> so let me know when you guys are going to leave. You know? so. Well, I stumbled upon you kind of, uh, it was funny because I bought a transmission off a guy in Washington and put it in the car and I went from a turbo 350 to the metric 200 and my car picked up. I mean, it was crazy, like two and a half, three tenths. I'm like not knowing anything about racing and not knowing a lot about it. I'm like this is pretty legit. Well, I made <clears throat> went so we did that like the last month or two of the season. Pulled the transmission up. I have a friend that's I actually went to school with that does transmissions. I'm like, hey, let's just check this out, make sure it's all good to go. And like the pump's kind of eating itself. This is weird, and I have no idea whose stuff it is. And here I see the little remac on the side. I don't know what that piece is called, but you got your name on it. Oh, the servo. Yep. Yeah. Call a guy. Call you up and like, oh well, let's do this and this. And while while we're at this, let's upgrade this. And you were just so good to work with. And you know, it's way out of my range of knowledge. But my buddy's like, you know, I've talked to several other people in the business, and there's nobody more helpful than this guy. Like, we're gonna do what he says. Yeah. It's all about taking care of your customers, no matter who they are. I mean, if you got a customer that's local that just has a little Nissan Sentra, or you got someone that's you know, back east somewhere and they're struggling to try to figure out what's wrong with it. Like, like I've been there, you know, when I was younger, you know, just struggling. And, uh, so that's why I'm always willing to help anybody. And to me, to me, it seems like what we do, especially like at the shop, it's somewhat remedial. Um, you know, I've gained so much knowledge and, you know, it, so now like a lot of the things that we do inside the shop are, are somewhat remedial to me and my guys they'll look at me sometimes and they're like how do you i'm like i don't know i just i i force myself to learn and i never stop and i'm a little bit i think a little bit uh add uh, and a lot of anal retentive and so it's paid off in that aspect i guess but well i was just totally blown away because you were so helpful and we ended up finding out it so at eight uh turbo 350 transmission pump twice talking to you well here we come to find out when the i had a flywheel that when we put the car together it was a little tweaked yeah you know, put the new pump in i mean i put and they say it's impossible like metric 200s aren't known for durability but i put over 200 passes on that thing and changed the fluid every probably 30 40 runs and just never had an issue and everybody with other brands are saying man you got to take these things apart every 50 60 runs and i'm like I mean, inside that thing was a work art. Like where, you, where it should be lightened, it's lightened. Where it needs to be durable, it's durable. And it's crazy, you know, how many different variations of that stuff there is. But yeah, uh, I was just blown away by your support. Remotely fixed the issue. Never had an issue. So I'm like, hands down, like this is where I'm going. Like, yeah, well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's about, though. I mean, like I said, it's 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 as simple. It's as simple as you take care of your customers, they'll take care of you. I mean, it's that simple still to this day. Um, you know, there's, you know, a lot of marketing can be done and stuff like that. If someone wants to just flat out make money, you know, you market, market your business, right. And people will be attracted to it and spend money, but I don't know how much return customer you'll have either too. So it's, you know, one of those deals. I feel like uh, somebody's actually, actually asking right now what the name of your transmission company is. Remac. Remac, R-E-M-A-C, correct? Yeah, Remac Transmissions. All right. Vito, that's for you. And Bruce Fulper said you were a great help to him. All right, go ahead. 
So, I mean, it's, it's one of those situations where like for us, you know, there's tranny shops all over. I mean, we got Amco literally like there's an Amco probably a block and a half away from us. There's another little tranny shop a, a block away from us. There's another one a block and a half away from us. There's another one two miles away from us. And I feel like <clears throat> I, I try to explain that to my service rider, my center manager and all my guys. I'm like, dude, we're not competing with those people. Trust me, we're not like we're a higher standard to them just continue to think that you're a higher standard than them and do quality work, do a higher, do a better work than them, you know, and don't feel like you're competing with them because you're not, you're not competing with them. That That's just my opinion. That's how I look at it. Like I'm not competing with you. You do yours. We'll do ours. Everybody will be happy. You'll have your customers. We'll have our customers. You know, I, I don't feel like when I drive by, you know, someone's shopping, like, man, there's a lot of cars there. Like I don't, it doesn't bother me because there's times where I road test and drove by our shop and been like, damn, dude, how are we going to get all these cars inside the shop tonight? It, it just, it just works, you know? So, and we do a lot of diesel performance stuff, you know I mean? At the shop, you know, at the, at my retail shop, we do a tremendous amount of diesel performance stuff, you know, where we're upgrading trannies, Dodges, you know, Allison's, uh, Ford's, you know, the, we do a tremendous amount of performance stuff there, which like the guys down the street aren't going to, they're not even capable of doing, you know I mean? They might be able to buy parts, stick them into trans, but we're not necessarily buying. We're doing a lot of our own stuff. You know, we have a lot of our own product. And so um, I would say <clears throat> out of our retail shop, we probably do 35 to 40% you know, of the actual jobs that are done are all some sort of a tow master trans, you know, for, for trucks and stuff like that. We, we actually work on more three quarter ton, one ton diesels than we do like Toyotas and Lexuses and small cars like that, believe it or not. Still a huge, uh, huge amount of diesel trucks out there. So I even, though you're, even in California. Even though you're paying five ten a gallon for diesel, <laughs> I want to dive in a little bit, maybe catch you a little bit off guard, but I want to get into some transmission tech stuff. Like, sure, our way. What uh, I mean, what do you got for us? How do we get better? In the aspect of just transmissions alone, yeah. Like, where did where? What are some of the most missed items? I guess as far as what people are doing on their car, you know, racing wise. Where are the nuggets at? Uh, you know, for me, I guess, because I didn't touch. So like you take, let's, let's use the, the, the 2014 Copo that I currently drive. That That's a really good example because I didn't touch that motor. Like I, that motor stock. And when it comes to a computer or a laptop, um, plugging in some kind of a, thing to the side of a computer i am probably one of the most inept people out there when it comes to technology that in that aspect so that motor is the bottom end is still virtually stock i mean 100 but let's go back to last year you guys ready give me one second guys i want to say goodbye to the kids before they go to school if you wouldn't mind yeah no problem certainly go ahead but, so brian i think we can Definitely ask him about 
you know, hopefully he gives us something good here, but we can ask him maybe what like the magical gear ratios are in the Nitro 200. Did he, did he change your ratios? I hope so. I'm, I'm excited to get my new one back and see what, what goodness he has for us. And I would say listeners too, if you got a question about transmission specifically, go ahead and post those up here and we'll, we'll try to answer your questions too. Like, I just can't. I just you can can't. drill him on some Ford C4 transmission stuff too, right? I don't know. He likes to be fast. I don't think he knows anything about Ford. <laughs> so, um, yeah, perfect example is that 2014 car because the motor is virtually stock, untouched, no tune, just the factory tune. The only thing that I was able to do or capable of doing is like hooking up the laptop and raising and lowering the launch RPM A and then having someone teach me how to like change the ignition timing that's it just so that we can take some timing out of it um so it doesn't hit so hard at the starting line but that's it i mean other than that the motor like i never even took the valve covers off of it it's just virtually stock piece <clears throat> and um let me close this blind because the sun's gonna start poking in <laughs> One benefit of living in California is actually seeing the sun in the winter. <laughs> so what I did to that car was just, um, you know, I pulled the 400 trans out of it. I built a 200 for it. Um, I, you know, did, you know, did brakes on it. I, I chose to take the strange brakes off and put the lambs on there. Um, and that's more so of a literally just a brake pedal feel thing for me. Um, you know, just did a few things. I bought some some struts from Andy Manns for it. Um, did the spherical bearings in the front control arms. And really, that's about it. Um, and got a converter. I will say the converter is from Cohen. Um, I feel like they probably got you know some of the best stuff out there i mean there's a lot of guys out there that make good quality stuff um i feel like i can communicate with the guys at cohen tell them what i got tell them what i want necessarily as a converter and if they can do it and no problem and put it in the car and i've you know i've never sent one back to get it altered or changed as far as the stall speed's concerned so but just tinkering on that thing you know with um really no other engine work at all you know most of the guys that are running those things aren't running as fast as i was running with just a virtually stock motor and, and it to me i think most of the it was there was just the converter and the transmission because there's not much et in putting brakes on a car are you running it sounds like the, the metric 200 is that like your is that the, the thing of choice here? When you take out a 400 or you take out a 350, like Brian said, the metric 200 is is the way to go. But you yeah. getting it to live behind that motor, is that typical? Or is that, you know, are you the only one that's doing that? Are most people sticking with the durability or the longevity transmission in this case? Um, yeah, so I will say that I have broken uh, a few things on that trans, um, you know, with that motor with that weight you know in factory stock see it's i'm running at 35 15 i'm you know i just choose to run it you know 50 60 pounds heavy so it's usually 35 15 35 20 um 
So you do have, you know, a limit to say whether 200 is like, okay, well, how, how much can that 200 withstand? So I choose to be the guy to, to test it, you know, and I mean, I, I don't know what the outcome would have been at the world finals. You know, I was semifinal round with Jeff Taylor um, and he was 25 on the tree. I was 28 on the tree. The car moved about six feet and stripped the spline out of the front planetary. So I got pushed back and watched him go down, you know, the track and he made it to the final round and I lost in the semis, but you know, we're always continuing to upgrade. So for instance, okay, I stripped the spline out of that piece because the stuff is made out of basic like 1010 steel, you know, it's a malleable material that general motors felt like this is good enough for a four cylinder or six cylinder. <laughs> you know I mean, cause that's what they came in. They came in some small V eights. So they used a basic 1010 steel on it. Um, the reason I know what the materials made is made out of is because we had to send it out to get it analyzed to see what we can do as far as heat treating that carrier assembly and making it stronger. So what we've done, because we, we want to make, you know, aftermarket carrier assemblies, whether they be out of 70, 75 aluminum, or they be out of some, some other steel that's, you know, a lot stronger than that. I had to do something so I could race because we weren't going to get something done in two and a half or three months, you know? So I, I sent the material out to get analyzed, paid for the analysis, took the analysis to the heat treater. And he said, yeah, let's just case harden them. So what we're doing now is case hardening the actual factory pieces and then reassembling the gear train back into them. Um, we, and this is all new. I mean, this is all as of just, you know, a month ago, we got stuff going. Um, tested in Bakersfield, made nine passes, pulled the trans out. Um, the splines look beautiful, put it back in, made nine passes at Pomona, um, won the event. Uh, and believe it or not, probably tomorrow at Phoenix, I'll pull the trans back out again um, before we start the race, just to verify that everything's legit and put it back together. And then I'll be able to sell uh an upgraded piece. Like, so if somebody, whether it be, you know, if I'm selling product to Jackson Panic or I'm going to sell an actual trans to someone who's like, Hey, I want to put it in my Copo. Okay. I know what I need to do. I'm going to sell you a front planet. that has been case hard and I'll put the gears in it, whatever, whatever gear ratio you desire. So, but it's just what you, you know, I, I've always tested my own stuff. I never want to sell something to somebody that I haven't tested myself. So um, you know, that's kind of the way that I, I've always felt it's the best way to do it. And, you know, we've got metric 200s in other Cobos. So like, like Lindy's, uh, 2017 6.2 car, um, that car has had the same metric 200 in it since 2017. And it's never broken a single piece. The planetary looks beautiful. It's a 257 low gear in it. And I, every time I take out the planet, the splines look fine. There's no issues there. So it, it's just like you can run that, you know, a factory piece to, to this point and never, ever have a problem. And it's like you go over that and it, it just you, you, you're not going to it's not capable of holding it. So. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would imagine that Lindy between 
running in all of 18, 19, 20, 21. I mean, I, that's four seasons. I know he doesn't go to the final round every weekend, but I would imagine between testing and time runs and, you know, testing tunes on Thursdays before a divisional, he's got to have well over 300 passes on that trans. So we freshened it up every year, but hard part wise, planetary gear wise, all that stuff is beautiful. <clears throat> and that, that car runs nine thirties, but it's also a nine running nine thirties at 3,200 pounds, not 3,500 pounds. So. Okay. That motor makes about 680 horses from what I gathered, you know, that 6.2 direct injected is about 680 horse motor. What's so, a good, how do you pick your gear ratios? What advice do you have for that? Um, you know, I've always been the guy to be like, okay, well, where's the motor make peak at? Where are you going to run it through the traps at? Um, okay. So this is the gear ratio you're going to choose for the diff. All right. Well, now that we know what gear ratio we have for the diff, let's start working on the tranny gear ratio. Um, and that's kind of how I've always done it. You know, I know a lot of guys take recommendations from a tranny guy and say, well, he said, I need to have a 233 low gear. And then, you know, whatever ring and pinion you got in it and the ring and pinion might be right, but you don't have enough low. Um, I, I'm of the mindset that shove as much low gear in the tranny that you possibly can and, and, and let it eat, um, control it with shocks. You know, um, you know, I've got a 251 low gear in that car and some guys are a little bit surprised that I have that much low gear in that car, you know, a factory stock C car. Um, but I feel like I can control it with my struts. Um, you know, cause I, it goes back to the old adage, you know, I mean, you even stock eliminated today, even with those good motors and the fuel injection and all that stuff, it's still all 60 foot and 330. I mean, those motors will run the other end better than, you know, like, you know, you know, Pontiac or 350 or 327, something like that. It'll, they're, they're hanging their tongue out at the end of the track, but you know, those, the 427s, a late model fuel injected stuff, they'll run the other end of the track better, but, they still, they still need ratio to move. Um, if you run a heavy car, I'm more of the mindset to run gear ratio. And if you're running a lighter combo, um, like if I ran that car in factory stock B all the time, it was like, I don't want to run C anymore. I run a one B all the time. I'm going to only run it 50, 60 pounds heavy in B. Um, I definitely wouldn't have a 251. It, it would be too much gear. Because we we would be taking out 265 pounds, and at that point, we would we would be susceptible to tire spin. Um, you know, it might it might look it might be great when it does hook, and you get some great ETs, but it's not it's not raceable to turn wind lights on all the time because I would be in fear of spinning the tires. So. It, it just, it has to do with, let's start with where the motor makes peak. Where do you want to run it through the traps? What tire do you want to run on it? And then let's move forward. What class are you going to run? Where are you going to run it light? Are you going to run it heavy? And let's go from there. And that's kind of where it, it really is. I mean, and it's, I mean, for most stock eliminator cars that have big blocks or any kind of big power, it, it's between 238 and 257-ish, you know. Like there's no, there, you're not going to be running a 220 or you're not going to be running a 266 low gear in a big block car or anything that makes any big power. Well, I'm excited to get mine back and hopefully I 
get a motor back someday and go race. It'd be fun <laughs> to try it out. Yep. Are you running into problems getting parts and all that stuff too? Oh yeah, it's bad. We've got the 6.2. So that's the other thing. The 6.2 is not even available to race right now because we sent the motor back East. Um, you know, and that motor got there at the beginning of December and it's just, you know, unfortunate, but everyone's waiting on pistons. So, uh, pistons is a big problem right now. I, I don't know why I've never like looked into it, but yeah, from what I understand, everybody's having problems with pistons. So, um, and race stuff is one thing. But just the retail part of my business, we are suffering because of that, too. Um, our parts suppliers are really, I mean, they're having a hard time. There's, according to them, the stuff's just sitting out on the coast and, you know, in cargo containers on ships. And um, so, like, I'm, we, between myself and two other of my employees, we buy product for the shop and so between me and the other two guys we spend more time on the phone now like calling different suppliers that we did not use before um and just trying to find bars you know we got a six thousand dollar you know dodge diesel that we can't you know finish the product you know finish the trans on because uh, we can't get bonded apply pistons or something like that so i mean i've i've we buy continuously buy stuff on Amazon now. I mean, for an auto, like tranny parts, we're buying parts on Amazon. We're buying parts from eBay, you know, and they're all brand new stuff. They're marked up more than we would normally pay for it. But, you know, if I got to pay 40 more dollars out of pocket for a bonded applied piston set for a Dodge diesel trans to finish a $6,000 job, I'm going to do it because <laughs> I want to finish the job. The customer wants his truck back. So I don't know what the end of the year is going to look like profit wise, but I think we'll be okay. I mean, we're not, we're not doing anything stupid. I mean, we're not, we're not spending, you know, stupid money to finish jobs. We're just being smart about it for our customers. It's like, Hey, at a, at some point there's nothing we can do. We're going to have to take a, a, a hit, you know, margin wise on this job so we can finish it. Well, the thing is, is you're, your product at the end of the day is still going to be superior. So, I mean, as long as you're putting out a good product, the rest will straighten itself out. Yeah. And it's going to be a while, unfortunately. I mean, uh, whether it's going to be two years down the road, a year and a half down the road, two and a half years down the road, that this problem that we have is not going to be fixed. Unfortunately, by January or by next January, by June or August, that we're, we, we just have to live this way and we have to run the business this way because we have no choice you know you pick up the phone and like you just cringe when you're like hey uh i got a two thousand blah 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 and i'm sorry i got none right now all right i'll call your competitor you know it's just <laughs> and you call them and they don't have it either you know and then you just realize like there's nothing you can do now you start i tell my guys well look on amazon look on ebay i mean I've, i'm waiting for a set of solenoids for uh a nissan front wheel drive trans that we ordered uh on amazon uh, I believe it was on Friday at the racetrack. My employees found it. I said, well, send me the link and I'll order them on Amazon. And so hopefully it'll show up today. So, but that's unfortunately, that's how the business is actually ran right now. So on the, so, race, the racing side, you're arguably the 
the best metric 200 guy out there in my and several other really fast competitive people's opinion what about other brands do you have any experience in those um, Fords or anything like that that bobby loves any c4s leo yeah, I mean, if we do C4s, your C4 guy obviously is going to be Joel there in Michigan. He's uh, He's got those things whipped. Um, his, you know, his valve bodies are impeccable. Um, you know, he's got, he's got the hydraulics worked out in those things to where, you know, there's no, there's no bind-ups, there's no shift flares. <clears throat> That's the one thing about a, a what we call, and this might be a, speaking somewhat French to you guys, a, a synchronous transmission versus a non-synchronous transmission. So do you want to go there? Yeah. Come on, let's go. So a, a synchronous, a synchronous transmission is a transmission where on the two, three upshift, you have to release the band for second gear, and then you have to bring on the high gear clutches or the high gear clutch drum. And you have to do that harmoniously. Yes, that is the C4 flare-up. So. C4, 904, Chrysler, um, Metric 200, those are all synchronous transmissions. The Turbo 400, the Turbo 350 are non-synchronous. You just stack a clutch pack on top of a clutch pack. And therefore, that's one of the reasons why it's pretty simple to to make a manual valve body for like a 350 or 400, something like that. Cause you're not having to deal with orifice sizes and calibrations for, you know, feeding a higher clutch drum or, or band release oil, having your band release oil too big, too small, uh, and having those concerns that you speak of as far as a two, three shift flare or the two, three bind up where when it makes a two, three bind up in the pits, you, it, you almost feel like your face wants to get shoved through the windshield and then back up again. Cause it, it's literally just taking the gear train inside the trans and locking it momentarily and then releasing it. So um, that's abusive when, when that stuff's happening, that's very abusive on the internals of the tranny and the gear train, the splines and all that stuff. Um, so, you know, with that being said, Joel has really figured out that like he's, he's got, you know, he's, his, his valve bodies are, 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 are really great for the C4. Um, so, I mean, and I buy stuff from Joel too. We, we go back and forth on stuff and we're, I would consider Joel a good friend. Um, so, you know, when I need something, I call him up, you know, when he needs something, he calls me up. Um, so we're capable of doing the machine work and rollerizing C4s. I've done, you know, plenty of them. Uh, if I get something specific, I'll call Joel and say, Hey, Joel, you know, you know, you have this in stock instead of me trying to do it all right now. And he'll just send it to me. Uh, it's just easier that way. Um, trying to do a, a onesie twosie gear train machine, a gear train, it, it, it becomes not very cost effective, you know? Um, but, but yeah, I mean, he he's he's going to be your C four guy for the most part, you know. I mean, especially out there, he's pretty damn good dude too. I mean, just an all around good guy. So, but you said you're sending your your motor east. So who who does your motors? Well, 
Uh, I do pretty much all my own motors, but this particular motor for Lindy Lindholm uh, is a direct injected motor. And the direct injected motor technology stuff is pretty new. I don't have any means of dynoing a direct injected motor because I don't have, you know, the driver to drive the direct injectors because it, you can't do it with a Holly system. You you use the Holly system plus the their their injector driver. So a lot of guys out here that I talk to, no one's got an actual dyno or the software to operate it. So I just did some research and I, you know, spent a couple of days researching here and there on the internet. And I found this company called KTech in Michigan. And they looked to me um, with what they were doing and what they're capable of doing and the dynos between engine and chassis dynos. They were like kind of the cat's meows of direct injected LT, LT based Chevy motors, you know. So I called them up and they said, yeah, we can do whatever you want as far as that's concerned. So I shipped the motor to those guys. So um, don't have any other information yet other than the motor was taken apart. It was clean. It was, you know, they said we took care of it well. Um, they want to hone it to this size, get another piston. You know, I think, and I mean, this is just speculation on my part. This is not, I'm like, I am not an engine builder. I'll be the first one to say that. But most people might say, well, why can't you just hone it and reuse the same pistons, you know, for crying out loud, it's stock bore and so on and so forth. But I, I think the, 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 the thinner the ring, you know, you really, really got to maintain that piston to wall clearance, you know, if you want that thinner ring to continue to last and survive for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of passes. Like, because I think that motor's got, Somewhere in the 300 and 330 passes on it. So, and it was still running well when we took it apart. The reason that I suggested to freshen it up to Lindy was the last oil change I did, there was an awful lot of amount of gray residue on the filter and the top of the filter and cutting the filter, just like iron. Like to me, it's just like, you know, iron in like the cylinder wall iron, you know, no metal, no flakes, nothing like that. Just a lot of gray accumulation in the filter and on the top. And to me, that's just, you know, indicative of cylinder wall iron. So I told him before you, before you have an issue, why don't we just send it out and get it freshened up, you know, and well, now he's out, now he's without a stalker. So. <laughs> right. And that's the, that's the problem right now with this year. Like yeah. we are you know, cars are on the cusp of, Hey, we should probably do the freshen up or tear them apart, but will we get parts? You know, will we yeah. be able to race this year? So it's more of a, you know, leak it down, throw some holy water on it and say yeah. a prayer and let it go. I mean, that's what I did. You know, I brought that white car home and that's essentially what I did. I mean, I put, I brought my leak down tester. I took it, took it from the shop, brought it home, you know, obviously trying to show my boys, you know, some stuff at eight and 10 years old, you know, how to do stuff and why we do it and all that stuff. But I did a leak down and, and it, the thing leaked down pretty damn, pretty darn good. And I'm like, you know, I'm just, I'll get the motor out. I'll flip it over. I'll pull the, the rod, rod caps off to look at that. I, I will admit I did not check any of the main bearings, but 
the reason I didn't check the main bearings on that motor is like the rods, okay, okay, the rods were good, but the second reason I didn't check it is because they're all torqued to yield in those early blocks. So they were using all torque to yield bolts on those factory topo bottom ends with the aluminum blocks. And I was like, well, you know, if I pull all that stuff apart, it's all brand new hardware and it's all torque to yield again. I thought, you know, the rod bearings look good. The mains are going to be fine. I'll just leave it. So, um, but yeah, same thing. I just, I did a leak down on the motor and everything was fine. So I said, I'm going to, I'm going to leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Put a timing chain on though, because that was pretty loose. <laughs> Awesome. Well, we appreciate your uh, your time today, and want to congratulate you on your win. Um, it's pretty cool. What are your plans? You're racing Phoenix this weekend, then? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna race Phoenix this weekend, uh, and then the double divisional. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll go out there. I'll go out there um, tomorrow and put the thing on four jack stands and re-bleed the brakes. I, I I swear I feel like there's like an air bubble in the brakes somewhere. I don't know. I'm so anal about my brake pedal. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but, <clears throat> and uh, pull the tranny out and inspect that just to be, just to be, you know, confident in, you know, checking my parts and having a sellable product and saying, well, I, you know, if I sell somebody a planet carrier that's been case hardened, I know because I tested it myself, this is what you're going to get. Um, but, you know, I told myself this, you know, in December that I'm, I'm going to pay a little bit more attention to my racing program and be a little bit more prepared. Um, cause I feel like I was, I haven't been giving myself, uh, as much, I, I haven't been putting as much effort into my personal racing program as much as I should. Um, I told myself that, you know, like you would not treat your business that way. Why are you treating your racing program this way? So I told myself that I was going to put in some, some max effort this year and concentrate and, um, you know, try to treat my racing program just as I would my business and see where that, you know, see where that nets me at the end of the year. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll do the local, you know, divisional stuff here, division seven, there should be seven of them now. Um, we're probably going to go to Boise, uh, do the divisional there. So we'll get eight full divisionals. Um, and we'll see, we'll see if we, you know, go anywhere else. We might go to Woodburn just to go, uh, Lindy, he likes going to Woodburn, but if we go to Woodburn, then the end of the year Vegas divisional won't count for points. So we'll see. Gonna make a run. Yeah, I mean, it's a little early to be talking about that. I'm, just, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, but I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going to put, you know, max effort into my racing program and, and more attention to it because, because like I told myself in my own head, I mean, I explained it to my wife later, but in my own head, I said, you know, like I would never treat my business this way. Why am I treating my racing program this way? I mean, at, at the end of the day, you still have to keep it like it still has to be fun. You, you still want it to be fun and enjoy it and the camaraderie with the guys and all that stuff, but it still can be, you know, you can still have focus. You can still, you know, put a hundred percent attention to it and still have fun too. You know what I mean? So that's kind of what I'm trying to achieve for this season and, and do that and then just see where I land. Cool. 
it's a tough balance that we're all working on. Some days I, I don't even remember if I got out of the trailer and talked to anybody at certain races. And then some days, you know, I'm talking to too many people and it's like, Oh God, I, I forgot to put fuel in the car. So yeah. yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, you know, it's a balance. So it, it is. And, and I don't, I don't mind. I mean, I do a lot of work. I, I know, you know, because you guys are over there, I'm over here. Like, so you probably don't see like, but you could talk to a lot of division seven people and, they'll tell you that like, you know, Leo's out there helping like a lot of people. I'm, I'm helping this guy. I'm helping that guy. I'm over. Some guy's got a tranny question. Or I'm over there helping him on his first. Like I'm always helping <clears throat> as many people as I possibly can help. And I don't mind doing that at all. And I'm still going to continue to do that. I just have to be like, okay, let me, let me get my stuff done. Let me be where like I'm ready and I will go over there and help you. But I have to, I have to get my stuff in order first. As soon as I'm done here, yeah, I'll go help you or whatever it may be. Just just so that it's I'm fair to myself. I need to be fair to myself. So well, we and have... then hauling around three cars and taking care of three cars, that's a lot of work too, just by itself. <laughs> so you haul Lindy Lindholm's car then? Yeah. So he's he's generally lately he's been racing two cars and I've been racing one. So he's got two cars in the trailer. I got one car in the trailer. Um and so he, you know, he pays his fair share. There's no doubt about that. Um, but he's got it kind of made where he gets to show up to the racetrack and the thing's got fuel and air in the tires and he climbs in and warms it up. So he's I, got it. He's got it made. I remember meeting him and you at Pomona a few years yeah. ago. I was there in 17 and 18 and we had, I was kind of uh, helping John Calvert a little bit. And we had sure. a, an exhibition with Lindy Lindholm and he was in the oh, Tesla. Yeah. I remember and that. We were in the Cobra Jet, yeah. and NHRA says, "Calvert and Lindholm, bring your bring the cars up." No one could find Lindholm. He was, he's he's not there. He was out to eat, so we had to like find him and then push it back. And then we finally came back. We were able to like go up. Then there was a delay. Finally made the run. Yeah, but it was. Um, yeah. It was just funny. That was my. That's the day I met Lindy Lindholm. <laughs> yeah, he's probably got a, another year, year and a half left, two years of racing, and then I'd say he's probably, you know, going to call it quits. He still enjoys it. He loves it. Uh, he recognizes that if it wasn't him and I together, he wouldn't be able to do it. So, and I'm happy to do it. You know, it's not like you know, it, it's a, it's a, a good relationship. It, you know, I got him. He's got me. It's a good, good working relationship and he enjoys it too. So that's great. Yeah. I, I didn't know you guys traveled together. So I just learned something new there. So that's wonderful. Yeah. You're helping everybody. And I know how hard that can be, you know, at the track when you service a lot of people's cars, they're going to come around asking you questions. So yeah. good luck with that. You will be in the power rankings. I don't, for anybody that saw, uh, Drag Insights released power rankings for the Pomona race with um, a number um, be, made from all the uh, the data that we have in that site. And all I did was five stalkers and five super stalkers. So I'm going to try and do 10 and 10. I'm going to keep expanding. Them. I'm still working on formulas here. Um, all in all, we were pretty accurate last week. So just going to expand on that a little bit. Uh, but Leo Glassbrenner, you can be sure that your name is included this week uh, due to your win last week, your eighth national event win. So congratulations. Thank you. How do how do listeners get a hold of you that haven't spoke to you or how do we find you? Oh, you know, I just, you know, the shop, you know, call me at the shop, 
feel free to. I, uh, uh, fortunately, unfortunately, I don't know it's put it in perspective, but I don't have any social media stuff. Um, you know, I, I, not that I'm against it by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I'm in a point, especially right now, I'm in a point in my life where like things are good, things are great. Like, could I use social media to my advantage? Yes, I probably could. But I just, I, A, I don't want to influence my children because um, my children don't have any right now, even in my 13-year-old, uh, she'll be 14 in March. Um, I think uh, just a personal opinion, I don't think a 12, 13, 14-year-old needs to have social media, especially at that younger age, you know, with the mind and, you know, malleable brains and, you know, there's a lot of positive, but there's so much negative that goes with it and trying to, trying to help, you know, someone that young and, you know, have them understand the negative part of it and all and all that stuff. So we just don't have it here in the house. And, you know, my kids got five acres, you know, <laughs> they got horses, go do your thing, go have fun, be a child, be a kid, stay a kid, you know, you'll have plenty of time to have responsibility and all that kind of stuff. So um, and then again, to be back to the social media thing, I don't know if I'd even have the time to do it, like to, to follow stuff on. And I get emails all the time and people are like, well, you, I emailed you, you know, two weeks ago, you never responded. I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I'm just crazy busy, like all the time, like literally, <laughs> literally crazy busy all the time. And uh, I mean, the only one time that I can think that I could actually respond or put on stuff on social media is the drive from my house to work and that there and back because it's an hour to an hour and 20 minutes depending on traffic but uh you're not supposed to drive and use your cell phones at the same time so i don't think that'd be a very a very good idea so, one of those new self-driving gmc trucks yeah yeah no doubt <laughs> uh yeah that that would be it so well thanks thanks for your time and like sitting in listeners i want to go hold of your remac transmissions it was uh it was fun to finally meet you face to face and yeah, appreciate everything you've done for my program and anytime guys... anytime i had a great time i don't i don't mind doing it i don't mind giving people like i said i, I i'll i help anybody like and call, people call up and even people that don't buy stuff from me you know people call me if you need any help just let me know to me like as far as that stuff you know my 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 center manager he bracket races you know he's got a 67 camaraderie bracket races and he's always asking me questions and I'm like, Bob, anytime you need something, just, ha just ask me. Like to me, it's, it's remedial. It, you know, it's all easy, simple stuff to me. And to him, it seems like he's got to rotate the earth just to get an answer or something on his direct car. It's, it's a little funny, I guess, but I don't mind helping anybody or giving anybody information because we're all in this together. That's awesome. Well, thanks again, Leo and Bobby. Guess what I just received hot off the press? What's that? The Class Racer Revival official flyer. Oh, all right. It is official. We'll post that up, so feel free to wait for that to come out. It's looking pretty awesome. They made a few changes. Sweet. All right, gentlemen. Thank you so much, Leo. Thank you. Enjoy your Thanks. warm. Thank you guys. <laughs> enjoy your warm weather. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be seventy-two in Phoenix, so. Wow, excellent. All right. 
You guys have a good one. It's been fun. You too. ClassRacingToday.com. We do have a couple people we want to thank today for their uh, support of the show. Uh, James Carter donated again this last week. And William Kraft as well. So thanks a lot, you guys, for doing that. If you anyone else wants to do that, ClassRacing.com, ClassRacingToday.com. Click on the Donate Today button and you can join the club. But thanks a lot for listening. Have a great time. We will see you all on the next one. Have a good day. Have a good day.